Great to be with you. I'll keep that passage open as we look at it briefly this afternoon. Uh, if you are joining us today, we started in this passage last week, looking at verses 1 to 11, uh, printed there on page 7. Uh, today we'll be looking at verses 12 through to 20, and then next week finishing the chapter off from verses 21 to 28. Uh, and we chose this passage because the theme of this year uh, for Churchill Anglican is wisdom. And we want to grow in, in wisdom as we follow Christ. And so we thought to begin with this meditation on wisdom. Wisdom in other parts of the Bible, in the book of Proverbs, is personified as a woman to seek out. Hear this from Proverbs 4. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, though it costs you all you have. Get understanding. Cherish her, that is wisdom, and she will exalt you. Embrace her, and she will honor you. And so this year, uh, we will be seeking her out, wisdom. And wisdom, we saw last week, as Justin introduced it, time together uh, looking at this, is the art of doing the right and appropriate thing in any given moment or particularly complex moments. It's the art of doing the right or appropriate thing in any given moment, especially complex moments. So it involves knowledge, but to be wise is not necessarily just to have knowledge, to know stuff, but rather it's to know what to do with that knowledge, to do right and appropriate things at the appropriate times. And for that, we need to grow in wisdom. We all need to be wise and to act wisely. So that's our prayer for this year. And as we lead up to Rivendell, these three weeks, we'll be looking at wisdom, and then we'll be spending time in the book of Proverbs with Andrew Arrington. Now, none of us want to be fools. Um, and so we, we are in this search for, for wisdom. And the question that the text drives for us today in verses 12 and 20, it's bookended for us, is... Where then does wisdom come from? And as we look at it today, as we set out to ask this question, where then does wisdom come from? Um, the answer today will be a little unsatisfying in the sense that it's, it's there to create an appetite, but the real answer comes next week, although we'll get a glimpse of it. But that's a question before us. Where does wisdom come from? Where can it be found and as we think about it, if you look back to verses 1 to 11, last week we were shown that wisdom is like a precious jewel. It's of infinite worth. Uh, verses 1 to 11, it's, it's interesting actually, if you just read through them, it doesn't actually mention wisdom once, but rather it mentions the human endeavor to, to kind of secure through mining precious jewels. Uh, and it's not until you get to these verses that you actually read wisdom as a subject back into, into those verses. But it speaks about places that are hard to reach, mining, beyond that of, of nature, and where the most treasured jewels lie. And these jewels are to be prized amongst all things as most valuable, and humans will go to every effort uh, bring with them every technology and ingenuity to reach them. And in these first 11 verses that we looked at last week, it, it, it's, it's high praise for humanity, human ingenuity, in what it can accomplish. 
As Justin put it last week, mortals risk their lives to get silver. They put their mind to innovation. They go where no other creature has bothered to go. They invent things and problem solve, all in an attempt to get these things. So precious is it that they go to these lengths to mine for these jewels. Uh, Justin quoted Pascal, who was a philosopher, many years ago, hundreds of years ago, and he, he said that, that humanity is both the glory, this is a paraphrase, the glory and the garbage of creation. And in one sense, those first 11 verses, we see the glory of humanity, its ingenuity in seeking out, through innovation, the, the treasure of, of these jewels. Now, this thesis of, of humanity's ingenuity is, is something that's celebrated often in our world, uh, particularly in the reflection on, on the Enlightenment, one thinker, Stephen Pinker, in his book Enlightenment Now says, everything about modernity is, is constantly getting better and better. But I don't know how you, how you sit with, with that thesis. It's been interesting, particularly in uh, seeing the response to, to the fires and climate change faced with an ecological crisis. Uh, in one sense, we, we see that it's actually human ingenuity that got us here. Um, what's equally striking is that we think that human ingenuity will get us out of this mess as well. See, we don't have a con confidence problem, and that's because we have ingenuity in spades. But what we lack often is, is wisdom. And so the poet asks today, he leads us after talking in verses 1 to 11 of this jewel of wisdom and, and the ways in which humanity seeks it out, he, he leads us to ask, where can wisdom be found in verse 12? He's causing us to meditate upon its necessity and, and its cost. And what he does in these verses is he parallels that, that search in the mining in verses 1 to 11 with a broader theme. In verses 1 to 11, it's very much fixed in the natural domain, and then in these verses, in speaking about wisdom, he takes us into a broader domain, a cosmic domain, in our search for, for wisdom. And wisdom is, is this thing that, particularly in the Old Testament, is spoken about um, almost like the architecture of, of the universe. If you read Proverbs 8, it speaks about wisdom, it personifies wisdom, always being like a, a, a thread that is woven through fabric, the fabric of, of the universe. It's part of the architecture of things, or as Bonhoeffer said, it's the essential nature of things. So when God built the universe, he did so according to a blueprint called wisdom. Christopher Ash, one commentator, writes this, when God built the universe, he did so according to the blueprint called wisdom. Wisdom is the fundamental underlying order according to which the universe is constructed. This is deeper than just an order in material composition. This order extends to also the moral and spiritual dimensions of existence. So just as the physical scientist pursues the project of science in the belief that there is order to be discovered, so the believer lives on earth in the conviction that it is not a chaotic universe, but one built upon a foundational, underlying and majestic order. Because wisdom was there in the beginning, God weaves it into the fabric of the universe. We expect there to be a moral and a spiritual order to things. 
And I think that's why it comes up in the context of Job here as, as, a, as a meditation and a reflection. See, Job, if you were to read the book of Job, is a man who is faced with, with terrible suffering. Uh, Satan approaches God to, to tempt this righteous man to see whether he would continue to trust uh, in God. And so he, he, he conf, uh, inflicts him with, with illnesses, with, with tragedy, with loss. And in the midst of it, Job is wrestling with this question of why. Why is this happening? See, he knows that there is an architect to the universe and he feels the dissonance within his own body that this shouldn't be the way it is. When I, um, I'm a bit inept on computers and sometimes when, when I use them, it's like a demon has taken charge of the thing and I want someone who, who is familiar with the architecture to be able to identify what is wrong, to, not, to more than just know how, but know why, what's going wrong according to the architecture. And, and in, in Job's suffering, that's what he's wanting to do. He's appealing to God. Why is this happening, the architect of wisdom? Why is there suffering? What do I do? Because we need wisdom to answer these kinds of questions. And, and we're faced with these kinds of questions all the time. We're daunted by decisions. I don't know if there's decisions that you are thinking through at the moment that you feel like you need, need wisdom to make. Perhaps you're in the midst of suffering like Job and you're sitting there trying to work out why this is happening. Well, we need wisdom in order to think through God's purposes in the midst of our suffering as we form friendships or as we make our way at work. We don't just need facts, we, we need wisdom. We don't need mere knowledge, we need help processing that knowledge. That is it's what wisdom is. We need to know what to do with the facts to make good decisions based upon them. And that's what wisdom is. Jen Wilkins put it this way. She says, wisdom is the ability to achieve the best ends of the facts. So we, we want the blueprint. We want to be wise. But we recognize it's complicated. And so we're, we're with uh, the author here, the poet, who says, where will wisdom be found? We can see its value. Where is it to be found? And in today's passage, he gives us two initial proposals before the answer next week. And each draws upon the imagery of the first 11 verses to help us understand the worth of wisdom and ultimately its, its source. Well, firstly, where is wisdom to be found? We humans can't truly grasp its worth. Look at verse 13, it says, No mortal comprehends its worth. And if you scroll down in verses 15 to 90, you see that the poet majors on the matchless value of wisdom. Drawing on the imagery of the first 11 verses, he says, Pile up all the gold and the silver and the finest jewels, and they, they don't compare to the value of, of wisdom. That in the ancient world of infinite worth is is not even in comparison to, to the worth of and the value of wisdom. You see the language there of evaluation. It can't be weighed against, can't be valued, or it can't be seen as equal to or exchanged for. Nothing compares to the value of, of wisdom. As much mining and drilling we see put into these verses that people do to get jewels, well, well nothing compare to that of the value of wisdom. 
Proverbs 8 says this, wisdom speaking, choose my instruction instead of silver, knowledge rather than choice gold, for wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Wisdom is of infinite worth. The question for us is, is do, we, do we see its value? Do we see its worth? In the face of possible contenders, wisdom is held up to us as, as the most valuable thing. And Paul says, collect together all the riches of the whole wide, wonderful world, and you still don't have sufficient wealth to purchase wisdom. Where is wisdom to be found? See, we see that it's truly valuable, but the problem is we can't buy it. We can't buy it. So we're left in that conundrum. Where can wisdom be found? This thing of true value, well, it seems beyond us by our own searching for it, as it were. Secondly, we see in verse 14, it's not something ultimately sourced on earth. Verse 14, it cannot be found in the land of, of the living. The deep says it's not with me. The sea says it's not with me. In the Old Testament, that the seas and the deep are, are particularly chaotic places beyond uh, being able to be tamed by humanity. These are places beyond human taming, beyond the land of the living. Our wisdom is, is, is beyond us. It's saying, it's not with me, says the deep in the seas. So if you want wisdom, where, where, do, we, where do we seek it? Well, how, how, do we, how do we usually seek to be wise? Where do, where do we go to seek it? Do we, do we go to the, to the library? Do we go to travel or experience to, to friends, embodied relationships or even online ones? Do we, do we study? Do we go to Google? Do we go to uh, groupthink, whether it be democracies, boards, or parish councils? Where, where do we go for, for wisdom? Because ultimately, it's not its source. See, it's not inherently the library, because the library itself is nothing but, in the end, paper and symbols. It's not in travel or experience. Often we think we, we will find ourselves out there over the seas. But often when we, we return, we realize that we've, we find ourselves in connection with relationships in front of us. It's not in our friends, because more often than not, they, they mirror what we want and think. It's not found in democracies, boards, and parish councils. Wisdom is not necessarily found in numbers, because we can equally pull ignorance to folly. Uh, it's not found on the internet, more knowledge in, in one place, but yet a place of immense folly. Algorithms which determine the wisdom that you receive. Where, where can this wisdom be found? Where is its source? And ultimately, it can't be found in ourselves, which is a humbling truth. Now, all these things in God's common grace can be used to help people to be wise, but they're not the source of, of wisdom itself. And that's what the poet is wanting us to feel, this tension. These things might help provide facts, but, but wisdom is something else. Wisdom is the ability to achieve the best ends with the facts. So in the end, they're not the source itself. We need to go to the source. But we've seen the deep says it's not with me. The sea says it's not with me. So where is this 
this place. Christopher Ash again writes of the Bible storyline. If you look even from the beginning of Genesis 1 to 3, we see right at the start, humankind is trying to find the source of wisdom. Initially, as they take the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, so they can become like God. And then if you, you keep reading along in the Bible story, they try to build a tower to, to the heavens in, in Genesis 12, in the Tower of Babel, so they can be like God. In, in Deuteronomy, it's, they, they want to know the secret things, that are, the hidden things that are revealed. But time and time again, we, we can't, because how do we, how do we source wisdom? Well, in one sense, we want to mine for it, but in another sense... It's something that is revealed to us. It's not something that we can have human mastery over. We can't either exhaustively understand wisdom nor control our access to it. So as we think about it, we should have a healthy scepticism about uh, our our human uh, ability to source true true wisdom. We should have a healthy scepticism about human ingenuity because, again, we're left with with that conundrum of verse 12 and 20. Where does wisdom come from? Where does it dwell? It seems beyond us. And this week, this is where where we're left in this conundrum of verses 12 and 20. Where where is it found? Where is understanding? Where is wisdom? But as a glimpse of hope uh, looking into next week, we see there is a place where Wisdom is sourced. In verse 23, it says, God understands the way to it, and he alone knows where it dwells. For God is the only true wise one. He is God only wise. And then to close, rather than going further into our passage, which we will next week, let me read to us from Proverbs 8 as it speaks of wisdom. This is wisdom speaking. The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works, before his deeds of old. I was formed long ages ago at the very defining, at the very beginning, when the world came to be. When there were only watery depths, I was given birth. When there were no springs overflowing with water, before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth. Before he made the world or its fields or any of the dust of the earth, I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the earth. Then I was constantly at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. God understands the way to it. He alone knows where it dwells. God is the architect, the one who has the blueprint, the one who is God only wise, And he reveals his wisdom to us. See, we tend to associate wisdom with age, but the scriptures speak of our God as the ancient of days. He is God, only wise. Jen Wilkin writes this, Though wisdom is a sign of maturity in humans, it is a simple fact in God. He does not grow in wisdom. He is infinitely wise. And his wisdom wisdom never waxes or wanes. God understands everything exactly the right way and does everything exactly the right way. He always has and he always will. His wisdom transcends human wisdom by an infinite distance.
citing 1 Corinthians, for the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. We see in, in this poem that wisdom is of, of priceless value, but that the search for wisdom as an object in itself is, is doomed. The seeking required of us is not ultimately seeking for philosophical answers or even practical wisdom. We will see that it is a seeking after God himself. That's the essence of, there's a Kierkegaard quote at the beginning. God is a source of of all wisdom, so when we go to a spring, we go to its source to see where true wisdom, love, beauty lie. God only wise. And we see this evidenced in, in Christ. Justin closed last week to say, Christ is the end of wisdom. He's wisdom in person. Wisdom is found in his words. Wisdom is found in his actions. Wisdom is found in his life. And wisdom is found in the cross. So we can scurry around looking for wisdom in all the wrong places, yet the Apostle Paul tells us that Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. So how do we get wisdom? Well, we go to its source, we behold the source, we fear the source, that is, we come before him with reverence, wonder and humility and we will see that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Let's pray. Father, we long to be wise and we recognise the value of wisdom though we might not value it enough. Forgive us. Lord, we long to source wisdom, but we seek the source often in wrong places when the source is you, God only wise. And so we come to you humbly and ask that you would continue to reveal yourself to us, continue to conform us into the likeness of true wisdom, the Lord Jesus, and continue to see the wisdom of the cross that seems as folly to uh, the world watching on but we know is your power to save and we thank you for that in jesus name amen